FanDuel Sportsbook is launching in Ohio. Ohio residents, FanDuel Sportsbook is launching in Ohio October 1. Use the link in the description to get an additional $100 in free bets loaded in your account when it goes live live on January 1st. Let's go. Oh, Jacob, 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 Jacob. I normally come into these shows and I'm like super amped. I'm like, dude, let's go. Let's have some fun. Let's have some crazy time. But today, today feels just a little bit different for me. And I'm going to tell you why in a second. But before I do, I, I want to introduce myself to those who don't know. And I want to introduce you, of course. What's going on, everybody? I'm Chase. You guys can find me on Twitter at FF underscore intervention. And I've got a problem. This is Jacob. You can find him. a lot of problems. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a lot of problems. (laughs) This is Jacob. You guys can find him on Twitter at FF underscore RTDB. How are you doing today, Jacob? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing great. In fact, you can tell that I'm no longer in a public library for those of us that watched last week. So there's no screaming children. There's no restrictions on my volume. Uh, No, we're, we're in a good place. We're in a normal home this is awesome uh we're back in the groove talking daily fantasy with you this is good that's a good friday night let's do this well I, I like that for you i mean this is great for you this is great for the show but for me what i've been seeing over this past i don't know four or five days now is people talking about in dfs how you can't make any money unless you play josh allen unless you play jalen hurts or unless you end up playing lamar jackson and I swear, it's like the most frustrating thing ever because I feel like these are just casuals coming out here and saying it, but it's not just casuals. It's it's everybody. They're like, oh, you're not going to be able to make money because these quarterbacks, they outproduce. They outproduce everybody else by such a wide margin. You cannot play some of these lower tier guys. Uh, haven't you felt like you've seen that or heard that a few times thus far as of late, especially after week three? Oh, it feels that way for sure. And it's crazy to me how much markets adjust in dfs especially on players that we have a a long sample of or archetypes of players that we have a long sample of just how much people shift in a matter of weeks right like it really exposes the fragility of these projections i remember we're going to talk about this game later but remember two weeks ago Devontae adams was 8600 you had to play Devontae adams 30 percent. can you imagine fading Devontae adams He's like 8,300 with no Renfro. Up against the Cardinals, right? He's going to be like 8% owned. So like there's no there's no consistency. People get way too ardent. And honestly, I mean, people have talked about the, the thing that drives me nuts. People say, oh, there's no more edge in DFS, no more edge in DFS. The edge in DFS people are still reacting way too much to things that we just saw. Carson Wentz was the quarterback overall in week one, right? I, Nobody was playing Carson Wentz. So yeah, do I think that there's a pretty decent chunk of the range of outcomes that the QB one comes from that Buffalo Baltimore game. Absolutely. That wouldn't surprise me in the slightest and absolutely anytime at quarterback, right? When you're fading those elite guys, you're making peace that if one of them hits their 10 out of 10 ceiling, their hundredth percentile outcome, you're drawing dead, right? When Lamar Jackson has his best game, you're never going to be able to match that with Jared Goff's best game. But most of the time, he doesn't have his best game, right? So there's always ways you can construct lineups uniquely. You can create ceiling elsewhere. I don't think there's any way to do it. To me, the way to do it is is to try and always find whatever is the ceiling that people aren't prioritizing enough in a given week. And, you know, last week we talked about that at the running back position. Another week it could be wide receiver. Another week it could be quarterback, right? There could be a week where everybody's spending down a quarterback on a spend up. But it definitely, it seems like it changes on the dime. That's for sure. No, I mean, it, everybody is going to be spending up because all you're hearing right now is like, oh, you got to spend up at quarterback. You got to spend up at quarterback because you're not going to be able to, to reach that elite ceiling without having that top tier quarterback. And it's like, yeah, well, you, you spend up and you have this massive price gap in between because these top tier quarterbacks, they're just more consistent overall, right? Like outside of Lamar Jackson this past week, it would have been more beneficial for you to play Trevor Lawrence, Derek Carr, Geno Smith, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins over 
Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen, right? Because when you look at the numbers, you break it down. Josh Allen ended up scoring 30.7 fantasy points on DraftKings. He was 8,200, right? That's a multiplier of 3.7 times what you're spending in order what to get. Jalen Hurts, meanwhile, did a little bit better. 30.6 points, but his cost was 600 less at 7,600. So he was four times the multiplier. But then you go down to guys like Geno Smith, right? Who scored 22.9 points. His cost was only 5K. He gave you a 4.6 times multiplier, which means that you're getting more bang for your buck. Trevor Lawrence, 25.18 fantasy points, 5,400, 4.7 times on the multiplier. You're getting a lot more bang from your buck for these guys. If we wanted the same level of multiplier, right? We wanted the same value for our guys. We wouldn't need... Allen to score eight more points and Hertz to score four more points. So you're essentially leaving points on the board because you're not able to spend it up at, up at other positions that have a significant gap in fantasy points versus value. Like uh, the equivalent essentially would be like being able to, to pay up for Michael Pittman versus Darnell Mooney. Right. If you would have played Geno Smith or Trevor Lawrence, you would have been able to play Michael Pittman instead of being stuck with a guy like Darnell Mooney. And outside of week three, which was just a strange week overall in terms of the, the top tier wide receivers, you typically have your top five set in there with the Tyree kills, right? The, the Marquise Browns, the, the, uh, AJ Browns, the, the Devonta Adams type players. That's a lot more consistent than what you see out of the quarterback position. Sure. Do you end up having a higher floor with a guy like Hertz, uh, with a guy like Allen, and with a guy like Lamar Jackson? Sure. You end up having a higher floor. You have a slightly higher ceiling, but not in comparison to what you can get from those other positions. I mean, it is a night and day difference. And like I said, it, it just feels like out of any other situation, it would seem like quarterback would be the first position that you would actually want to fade in DFS to give you a, an edge in these tournaments and in these GPPs. Sure, if you want to roll out these quarterbacks in cash games, do it all day. But I mean, to give yourself this type of edge in a GPP, if you pick the right quarterback, I think it's a home run. And it's getting ridiculous that these people want to fade or want to, to essentially just push the quarterback position into the number one priority of who they want to pick up in these DFS lineups. It's just absurd to me. All right, that's your rant. <laughs> that's your rant. Look, I... I, I'm, I still haven't even fully fleshed out exactly how I'm going to be playing because I always try to wait for the most possible information. But to me, I'm always bound by construction, right? Last week, for instance, we talked to you on here. I wanted to play the high-priced running back because I didn't want to be swimming around in the Montgomery and the Pierce and the Jacobs and these middle-priced running backs. So that meant I basically couldn't play the high-priced quarterbacks, right? I had to look down to spend down at quarterback, um, you know, to be able to free up the salary to play the high-priced running back. I'm always going to be led by the construction. I think there's always going to be a lot of ways to play it. But uh, in terms of this week, you know, it's interesting. I think, you know, we're going to see a lot on Allen, of course. We're going to see a lot on Hertz, of course. I think we're going to see, honestly, a pretty decent amount of ownership on the 5K guys, in particular Marcus Mariota. And we might see a little bit on Geno Smith, which would be kind of crazy. Um, we'll see. I'm probably, I might be a little bit more in the middle, but we're going to talk through it today. We're going to talk through four games as usual. Chase, do you want to kick off our first game? You usually kick off yeah. the first game. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. I can kick off the first game. And, you know, I, I wanted to, of course, of course, everybody wants to talk about the Bills and Ravens game, right? Like, that's the the chalkiest type play that you could possibly go out there. But uh, for me, I'm going to talk about a game that I don't think anybody's going to be playing. I think it's gonna, probably going to be the least played game on the slate. And I'm going to play some of the least paid players on the game, too. So if you do want to get chalky, if you do want to try and run out a Lamar Jackson-type uh, lineup like Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, if you want to try and run out Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, run back with, with Mark Andrews, something on those lines, I think these skinny stacks this week are going to be key to making that happen and playing the minimal amount of players from these games that you can. you got to hope that they don't spread the ball around, that they're going to end up hitting the chalk, and, of course, you go to these other games, you pivot. And that game for me is going to be the Steelers and the Jets. I know, gross. <laughs> gross, right? I mean, it's the way to get around the chalk. It's a way to try to, to pivot to a game that, that nobody else is really going to be playing once again. And when we look at the Jets, like the, the Jets up against the wide receivers, I think on DraftKings, they end up showing off that they're ranked 21st or whatever. But they're a lot worse. Than, than 21st, because in the first two games, they played the Ravens and the Browns. Both teams don't pass. 
Yet we were able to see Devin Duvernay have an incredible game. We were able to see Amari Cooper have a great game. Probably winning some money if you ended up playing him that week. Uh, actually, I think that was, yeah, that was the week that they played. Uh, yeah, Cooper had a big game against him. Yeah, so, I mean, like, these were the the two players that actually saw targets in the game, and they did something with it. Meanwhile, that was 26 targets, by the way, combined to the wide receiver position in those two games. The next week, they played the Bengals, and the Bengals targeted the wide receiver 22 times. I mean, I don't understand how you don't want to play up against this Jets secondary. And I know you're what you're thinking, right? If I'm playing the Steelers, it's got to be Deontay Johnson. And honestly, no, it's not Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson gives you great uh, leverage in terms of cash because he's going to get you 15 points, 99.9% of the time, right? He's going to land right between the 13 to 15 points. But his ceiling is uh, much lower. I don't see him coming down with two touchdowns. I do expect this still to be somewhat of a lower scoring game. But I need a guy that's going to be explosive, right? I need a guy that's going to get you the touchdowns, those those deep touchdowns, the quick the quick hit scores we talked about last week uh, in order for my Jets player to go off, right? And so I'm going to talk about my Jets side first because I want to play Brees Hall in this matchup. Now, I understand, Jacob. It, you're probably sitting there. You're probably cringing a little bit because you're like, Brees Hall, that's gross. He has to, he, he's in a shared backfield. You know, the Jets, you never know what to expect. It's gross. I get it, right? Uh, are you about to shun my pick? Before I even get well, started on this, I don't. I don't hate the breeze pick, to be honest okay. with you. Um, just based on the, I mean, I think he projects poorly, but I, I think that there's enough of a tail there with how the backfield is shifting towards him this last week or so that I'll, I'm not. I'm not opposed to it. So I haven't like ruled him out of my player pool. Talk me into it. Walk walk me down the hall here. All right, all right. Let's let's see what we got because. He is seventh in yards per touch and yards created per touch, right? So he's getting the yards that he is creating. That means that, that he's actually you know, a bit efficient with the rock in his hands. He has a 9.5% breakaway run rate and has dominated the receiving work uh, last week, right? Michael Carter, I think, had one target, one reception. Brees Hall went five for five. And he's always been more than efficient with the ball in his hands, even in the receiving game. Now, I understand the Jets like to, to share the backfield, right? But they typically end up gravitating more towards the efficient back than they typically end up trying to, to split it up, right? As long as one running back's being efficient, he's going to continue to see the field. We saw it back in 2021 with, uh, with Michael Carter, right? They started out with Tevin Coleman. They tried to get Ty Johnson. It took him like three to four weeks. But eventually, Michael Carter ended up dominating the snaps in that backfield. Meanwhile, we have the Steelers who have allowed 121 rushing yards per game, five receptions per game, and 43 receiving yards to the running back per game. I mean, that's a whole lot of fantasy points. You know, you're talking about over 20 fantasy points per game to the running back position. If we could see Brees Hall get, what, 60-70% of the production, which I think could be relatively easy for him to accomplish, uh, we're talking about minimum 14 you know, points in this, this matchup, right? Minimum 12 points. But... The issue is, is the Jets haven't really been in a shootout yet because they haven't faced uh, too many uh, quick hit type options, right? They're they're not talk, they're, they're not able to get these guys who were hitting, you know, over time. So I'm like, damn, like this isn't great. It's not a, a, a great situation for the Jets. You know, maybe Brees Hall just ends up with 12 points. And I'm sitting there thinking, and I'm like, dude, Michael Carter, the the defensive back who's been playing the slot for the Jets, has been getting smacked, right? He's been getting smacked. And what do we talk about in our show, Jacob? Who's going to be playing the slot for for slot the pool. Steelers? Slot it's, pool. It's it's Chase Claypool, baby. It's Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool has uh what six inches and fifty pounds on Michael Carter. We're talking about a gigantic, a massive mismatch. Meanwhile, Chase Claypool's been getting used in like the short, you know, to intermediate routes over the first two weeks. Last week, he actually saw a total of three deep balls just in one week. They're starting to realize that he does have deep ball potential if Mitch Trubisky can hit him, and that's a big if, of course. But we've had these weeks where Claypool gets you two touchdowns. Claypool gets you four touchdowns just randomly up against a bad opponent because Canada and Tomlin, they like to try to feature these, these mismatches, right? If they don't have a mismatch, then they just go to Deontay Johnson. If they have mismatches, then they try to exploit that mismatch, and that's what they have this week is Chase Claypool on Michael Carter. This is one of those where it's like, man, if he doesn't hit, I'm screwed. I might as well, you know, not, I might as well just turn my back, walk away, because I'm not going to be making money uh, this week if I play too much Claypool. But honestly, like Claypool has the ability to win you tournaments, to win you leagues. He hasn't shown it yet with Mitch Trubisky, 
But who, who knows? Maybe Pickett comes in. Maybe Trubisky actually connects with him. If he doesn't, there's a good chance that Pickett comes in by halftime and we could see some deep balls going that direction. You know, stay away from Deontay Johnson in tournaments this week. He's going to be too chalky. Go ahead and line up. Brees Hall, maybe throw in some Tyler Conklin as well because maybe they use him just like Njoku. But I'm really just hoping to get Brees Hall getting a ton of the work, almost all the fantasy points since I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game, and then hitting Chase Claypool at least two or three times deep with one to two potential touchdowns at his price. Can, can I get I you on board? make sure of in this game, okay, before you go any further, you're not playing the quarterbacks in this game. Frank, no, no, not, no. showing no. up with Trubisky no. and Zach Wilson. I need you to state this on the record. No Trubisky. <laughs> no Trubisky, no Zach Wilson. I don't trust either one. And that's a big reason, too. It's like Zach Wilson comes back. We can see a ton of rushing attempts. I mean, maybe they only throw the ball 20 times this game in a low-scoring affair, but Brees Hall ends up getting 15 rushes, has two breakaway runs for 120 yards, two touchdowns. Meanwhile, Chase Claypool allows him to do that by getting those quick hits up against a, uh, a very diminutive uh, Michael Carter defensive back, of course. Okay, and how about this? So I I'm on board with Brees. And I definitely think with Pittsburgh, like Deontay Johnson usually is underowned for his projection. Not, not this week. Like he's, I mean, first of all, 6K is an egregious price for his like median projection. Like he would be an absolute lock in any cash lineup that I would do this week. Um, I do think he'll be over 20% owned. Probably won't come in quite as high as ownership projections. He's usually a guy that doesn't come in as high as ownership projections, just based on kind of people think he's boring and don't like him. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm that guy. yeah, you, I'm that guy. Like you. Yeah, but no, I, I agree. Like, I don't think that Deontay, similar to like a Keenan Allen, like these just are, are archetypes of players, lower eight off players, although he's been up at 11 this year. So may, maybe not um, quite as low as in the past, but he's not a player that I love to play at high ownership. Like I, I feel similarly about Cooks, like these high volume guys on bad teams that don't have a ton of, um, just don't have a ton of offensive environment ceiling around them. Like these are guys where it's like, oh, if they're kind of lost in the shuffle one week, I'll play them, right? But when they're the chalky guy, when they're owned, I never want to play like Brandon Cooks or Deontay or any of these guys, like when they're super owned, because even if they have a good week, like, okay, so if Deontay has, you know, 880 and a touchdown, maybe he has eight, he's going to need to get to the bonus and to get a touchdown to make you really regret it. Um, so I'm, I'm totally fine not playing any Deontay. I think Claypool's fine. I think Pickens is fine at 3,800. I mean, I think both of these Steelers wide receivers, the other guys, they run every route. They never sub. Like it's the three of them out there every single play. And I think... Like the worst plays just always in DFS to me are the owned low price wide receivers, like the Richie Jameses of the world, right? Because there's so many wide receivers that run 80% plus routes. And when we're talking about 4K level talent profiles, often the ones that get played are just the ones who got the most targets the week before, or like maybe they have a teammate injured. It's, but it's just like, if we try to actually understand these target profiles, like Chase Claypool, George Pickens in the 3K, 4K range are, are no worse plays then most of these guys that are going to get owned way more than they are. I expect Claypool will be, I don't know, 5% range. Pickens might even be below that. So I'm on board with that. The other guys I'll mention, though, is I don't think that there's going to be anything on these Jets receivers. I think that the market sentiment on Zach Wilson is extremely negative. But, like, Garrett Wilson's been smashing all year. He's at 33%. Uh, yeah, he's been one of the best wide receivers in the NFL from a target earning capacity. He's up at 5,400. I don't think that's too unreasonable to play Wilson. And then, you know, I've been making fun of this Elijah Moore narrative where everybody's saying, oh, we just have to wait till Zach Wilson comes back, then you'll be the wide receiver one again. I don't think that that's true. But for $4,800 for one week, I'll buy in. You know, I don't hey, think hey. he's going to be particularly owned. And, like, I want to I make talent bets, right? Like, I still think that we can go beyond the last three weeks to formulate a talent projection on who Elijah Moore is. We get a new situation change with Zach Wilson. Like, I, I mean, I'm probably just going to keep chasing Elijah Moore all year until it hits, but I, I'll probably, I'll surely play him in lineups this week at four thousand eight hundred dollars. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm chasing. I feel like I'm chasing the dragon on this one too with Chase Claypool to an extent, but he has his games just like Elijah Moore does, and he's a hundred bucks less. I feel like the ownership level is going to be slightly more in Elijah Moore than what we're going to see on Chase Claypool. And also, if you pay up three hundred, then you end up with DJ Chark as well. So I don't think Chase Claypool is going to see any ownership this week i mean we're talking about one percent two percent ownership I, I think that he absolutely smashes up against this in, inferior human being in michael carter all right that's uh that's more than that about the jets and steelers okay how do you like us opening the Jesus. show with the jets versus steelers dfs take well it, it's unfortunate that i haven't spoken much on the show because everyone's turned it off now so no any takes that i have nobody's heard because they, they got exhausted from from hearing you talk about the jets and the steelers <laughs> Jeez. But no, my first game, 
I want to talk about is the Chargers and the Texans. So if you thought that the Jets and the Steelers were too bad of teams to talk about, I'm going to talk about the Texans. No, I'm mostly going to talk about the Chargers. Um, Justin Herbert, I don't think, like, he doesn't seem to project particularly well. I think people are still worried about his rib situation. But he was able to play last week. He didn't play well. But he was able to play last week. And there seems like there's not really any concerns about that this week. We know that he has a massive ceiling. You know, he's $7,100. He always has a massive ceiling in any given spot. And when we're going to see a lot of ownership on Allen and Hurts among the elite guys, and then maybe people spend all the way down, you know, we'll probably see a fair bit on Lamar. I think Herbert gets lost in the shuffle. This is especially a small field GPP take, but like one of my favorite type of plays in small field is take the really good offense, or at least the really high ceiling offense, stack them up against the bad team and kind of just get all the points. And it usually ends up that that offense isn't really all as much owned. The other thing is, is that no Keenan Allen, so that really makes it a lot easier in terms of figuring out who the Chargers to play, right? It's it's Herbert, it's Eckler, it's Mike Williams, it's Josh Palmer, and it's Gerald Everett. Um, so you have a consolidated target tree, and Eckler should have some ownership on him, but Herbert and the stack partners are really not going to have much. Gerald Everett comes in right at the same price point that you're going to see TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson without Amon Ra is going to dominate pretty much all the mid-range tight end ownership, so you're going to be able to play Everett whenever you want to play Everett. Josh Palmer up at 5K. Like, I think people are going to look more at DJ Chark. I think him and Palmer are similar yep. plays. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys in the five carriage. I don't even think Palmer's like a fantastic standalone play, but he works fine in a stack. And Mike Williams, like, I think he's overpriced at 7K for what his role's been this year. But we know he has a ceiling. I mean, he just showed a massive ceiling game back in week two. So if they end up in a spot against the Texans, and the big thing with the Chargers, their defense has been totally destroyed, right? They don't, um, uh, they don't have Joey Bosa. Uh, their secondaries face a lot of injuries. I'm expecting that if Houston is able to play well in this game, they can keep pace. And if they're able to keep pace, maybe you do have that stealing game out of a Mike Williams. So uh, if I had to guess my top lineup in like a small field tournament this week would probably be a Chargers double. And then on the way back, Cooks is going to have a lot on him. And I don't really ever play Cooks. I just think he's generally overplayed in DFS. Like I think people just look at, oh yeah, we'll play the text and he projects well, but he hasn't actually displayed that consistent of a ceiling. But again, like we're talking about Richie James, 4K, the other guys, 4K. Nico Collins runs every route. I don't really like Nico Collins like as a player, but I want to play these guys where if no one's really going to play them, they correlate my lineup, they run every route, and particularly their higher ADOP players, I'll play Nico Collins as a bring back. So I'll, I'll, basically I'm going to play all the freaking non-target earners that I hate. I'm going to play Herbert with some combination of Palmer, Williams, and Everett, and a Nico Collins run back. So that'll that'll admit if it – it's like two weeks ago when I was playing Chubb and Tua. Um, I'm going to play Herbert and all the all the wind sprinters. Can we, can we get one of those uh, player profiler like clips where it just says play Nico Collins and then has Jacob Sanderson <laughs> underneath? Because I don't think I've ever heard you say that in doing oh, two no, years worth of podcast with you. I just need I need a little uh, image made that says play Nico Collins uh, in DFS and, and have your, your little quote next to it. But I do want to throw in for Mike Williams point. We had Michael Pittman go off up against the, the Texans week That's one, true. uh, nine 13 and a touchdown on 121 yards. And then Cortland Sutton, seven for 11, 122 yards. Guess what? And he could have had, he could have had two touchdowns in that game too. He could have. Yes, he could have. Yeah. Uh, that's the exact type of like archetype type player, um, you know, that we see from, from Mike Williams. So my only concern is, and maybe you're not concerned about it, but I'm very concerned. I mean, they held the Bears wide receivers to only 54 receiving yards. Oh, yeah. Oh, if the Bears can't get it done. Oh, boy. How will will Justin Herbert ever succeed when the field is failed? (laughs) Oh, my God. Let me tell you. Now, I like Damian Pierce this week, too. Uh, Damian Pierce, you know, has a sexy matchup. I mean, Colts aren't great up against the running backs. We've seen players like him in terms of, like, James Robinson go off. So I like Damian Pierce. By the Jaguars on the ground last week. Yeah, I, I like it. I, I'm down with the Damien Pierce run back if you, you decide to go that route. And I understand that might be down, but the Houston Texans have to run sometimes because their offense is so bad, even when they are down. Yeah, I think I think that that's fine. And I mean, the thing is, if you're playing for the Chargers to have to throw, you know, then the Texans have to score points and Pierce get the touchdowns. I think that the only like the only two players that I think are going to get much ownership in this game are Eckler uh, and then Cooks. So I probably wouldn't play that skinny. Um, but I would certainly stack the game. I would just stack the Chargers with the pass catchers. And I think you, if you're if you're doing a stack and you want to play Herbert and Eckler together, that's totally fine as well. I'm fine with Pierce, and I'm fine with Nico Collins. 
Um, and Brevin Jordan is out. So I think if you want to like take a shot on Howard or Pharaoh Brown as like a mega punt tight end, <laughs> if you're full game stacking it in a small field, I don't think that's completely insane. Although probably not something that I'll get to in my lineups this week. So let me ask you, can I, can I interest you, sir? Can I interest you in some Joshua Kelly? No. <laughs> <laughs> not. What about so? I mean, the Texans have been so bad up against running backs on the ground. I mean, they are splitting care. No, I'm just kidding. All right, on to the next game. <laughs> I, uh, Josh Kelly. I went ahead and I went with the Seahawks Lions, and I see a trend with myself every week where I'm picking the Lions, and you know it's interesting because I was I was kind of hoping- a fun game because I have such a I have such a staunchly different take from you on this game. Just I'm just prefacing that, so I'm curious. You don't even know what I'm about to say. You don't even okay, know. Maybe I don't, but I, I think I can guess. I was hoping that Amon Ra St. Brown would play to take ownership off of DJ Chark because the Seahawks are absolutely brutal on the outside in terms of defending the wide receivers. Uh, Meanwhile, DJ Chark actually has been somewhat okay in terms of uh, missed opportunities, I guess. Like we have, let's see, third and deep targets for DJ Chark, fifth and a dot, third and unrealized air yards. They're just not connecting, but a lot of teams they've played have been playing this zone, uh, kind of like a shell zone defense, where they are focused on preventing the deep ball from the wide receivers on the outside. When we talk about the Seahawks, they've been getting beat on the outside like a drum because they're playing press coverages. Their zone ends up focused on the inside when they play man. I mean, they really get burnt, especially if they get gashed by the running back time and time and time again. So I was actually hoping that Amon Ra St. Brown would play because I think it would take a lot more ownership off DJ Chark just in case he ends up being Chark because I feel like as we get closer to the to the lineups, like we might see like 9% now, but it could jump to 12% or 15% depending on how hot, how hot some of these podcasts start pushing GJ Chark. Yeah, the Twitter buzz meter. Everybody's doing the what, – what do you think is the better way to uh, – Chark – like the Chark week is in like the Shark week bit or DJ Chalk? <laughs> DJ Chalk is – it feels like it could end up being that way. And so even if it – I'm really excited about him. Yeah. Was like a game time decision. Like that would be cool with me. I'd be down for a game time decision. So uh, unfortunately he's he's not. And now I got to say the same thing that everybody else is saying about DJ Chark, which is go out there and play him at 5K. I think that he's an okay play even with the Chuck. I don't think that he's going to be- Think about Reynolds, because I'm seeing he might even be more owned. People are, because he had a big game last week. People are are falling all over themselves to play fucking Josh Reynolds. Like he, we don't have a seven year sample of him being a Jag. I mean, we've seen Reynolds have big games, right? Like it, right before Amon Ross St. Brown hit last year, Josh Reynolds hit and he was fine, but he wasn't like, I mean, he won you probably one or two weeks, but I'd rather have DJ Chark who's been playing in the slot outside the slot. He's been running all the routes. He's been part of the offense and they've been targeting him. Like, it's not like he hasn't been existent in this offense. They've been targeting him, but he's been facing these coverages that don't allow these targets to come to fruition because he's getting double covered down the field. So Sure, DJ Chark has not been great thus far, but I'm willing to roll him out this week. And like I said, even if I'm in Robert St. Brown did play, I'd be rolling him out probably more often because I'm going to see less ownership on him, and I still think that he's going to have a big week. Uh, but the way that, that I want to run with this one is I want to play Tyler Lockett. Uh, I talked a little bit on Wednesday's show with you how Jeffrey Okuda shut down every single wide receiver he's faced. Was it A.J. Brown? It was uh, A.J. Brown, it was Justin Jefferson, and it was Terry McLaurin. And he's allowed like five receptions, I think, to those guys for a maximum of 44 yards. Like five receptions combined for a max of 44 yards uh, amongst all three guys. It's pretty incredible like what he's been able to do and how very few people are taking notice of him being a shutdown corner. So he doesn't go to the outside. He doesn't travel to the slot. So what that makes me believe is that he's going to be shadowing DK Metcalf, just like he shadowed these other guys. You know, I I could make a narrative where, oh, he's going to shadow Tyler Lockett, but Tyler Lockett plays in the slot, like anywhere from 15 to 25% of the snaps varying by game. So I think that he sticks on DK Metcalf. They try to back bracket coverage Tyler Lockett, but Tyler Lockett does very well up against bracketed coverages because he finds this open slot. He finds that space to go to. And Geno Smith is the most accurate quarterback in the NFL right now. So he has this ability to be able to tar- target Tyler Lockett underneath and get him the ball. I mean, we can see Tyler Lockett with 12 receptions this week. I don't think it's that outlandish, especially if this game, you know, tends to be a little bit faster pace of play. Like if if we see the Lions come out, like they don't have any injuries, you know, and that, like their offense is perfectly normal. 
we're going to see a lot of turnovers, a lot of three and outs, a lot of passing opportunities. Meanwhile, the Lions defense is bad. So as long as Tyler Lockett, you know, they're not having to force the ball downfield too often. Tyler Lockett is dominating these snaps. I think that Tyler Lockett could end up having a massive, massive game up against who is it? Mike Hughes, right? The plays in the slot uh, for the Lions. I mean, and we talked about it last week. Mike Hughes is absolutely terrible and he continues to prove it time and time and time and time again. So I'm going to go ahead and say Tyler Lockett. I'm going to play, be playing these two guys uh, when it comes to, to, DJ Chark, Tyler Lockett, but there's one player that I don't think that you're going to see coming, right? Actually, you might see this coming. Uh, he is starting to dominate the the snaps at the position or starting to dominate the workload at the position. And oh, we saw this happen. I'm going to hear a Will Disley take out of you. No, no, no. It's not going to be Will Disley. Oh, it's thank not. God. Okay. It's not going to be Will Disley. Uh, we saw this happen with a player back in 2020, right? He started on the same team as a veteran, and it took – or he ended up getting injured in the preseason or prior to the season starting. Took a little bit of time to learn the offense, to get in the groove of things. Week one, we saw this the, the player ahead of him dominate. Week two, we saw the player ahead of him dominate. Week three, we saw him start to get some touches. Week four, we saw him get like 50-50 touches. And then week five, he exploded for like 112 yards and two touchdowns on the ground rushing. So that's right. I'm talking about your boy, Kenny Gainwell, right? I'm sorry, not Kenny Gainwell, Kenneth Walker. Excuse me, Kenneth Walker. Uh, Kenneth Walker is dominating the <laughs> Kenneth Walker is dominating the touches uh, in terms of the receiving game. In terms oh, of the receiving game. Dominant. He doesn't have 20% snaps in a game yet. <laughs> no, no, he's not there yet. And maybe we are a week too early. Maybe we are a week too early. Like but I'd rather too early. No, stop it. Stop it. He's getting in this week. I knew you'd hate this take. Uh, he's getting in this week. Three. Awful. Receptions on three routes run, 14 right, yards. Yeah. So maybe was, we should focus on the three routes run. Three <laughs> routes run. He's he's got the third highest yards per route run. Just saying. <laughs> oh wow, on, on, on so many routes. No, Nine the lions routes for the season. The Lions are terrible at uh defending up against pass catching running backs. They're absolutely brutal. And we know Rashad Penny is not gonna get it, but Travis Homer, there's a good chance Travis Homer doesn't play this week. Yeah, so who's Dallas will play every third day. I don't he know about that. He played every single long down and distance snap after Homer went out. I think that after we end up seeing, uh, we have an, a week-long opportunity to get Kenneth Gainwell involved in the receiving game. I think there's a good chance that Kenneth, I'm sorry, I keep on saying Kenneth Gainwell, Kenneth Walker Zero. ends up seeing this opportunity. I, I am playing it's him not, as a dart throw. He's just getting jet motion toss passes that, that they're calling. You know, you know how we're going to play in our DraftKings lineup here? <laughs> no, we're not doing it. No, not after last week. After we literally would have had the wide receiver one overall if we went with my pick. Yeah, true. We got like one point from Kenneth Daywell. <laughs> we're not doing these janky ass running back picks any longer. I cannot we're wait to victory lap. I cannot wait to victory lap. No, that's the worst play on the slate. I've never heard anything so ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, I mean, look, I, from like a dynasty perspective, I think you should be happy about always seen out of Kenneth Walker. But like, we're not playing him. No, I don't. We're not. No, he's not going to play thirty percent of the snaps. This is craziness. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like more out on this game than I've been out on a game in DFS in several years. Be, because it's I, so the Lions were a player that basically, or sorry, the Lions are a team that coming into the year everybody was like, well, Jared Goff pretty much sucks, but. Uh, they're like, oh, but all these weapons are fun, right? And then what did we see over the first few weeks? They're like, oh, my God, the Lions are good on offense. They have all these weapons. Um, their two best players are Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown. And that was the reason why they had such a good offense, because they had these two dynamic players. And then naturally, now that the players that made their offense good aren't playing, everybody's like, oh, my God, we got to play all these shitty Lions backups. we got to get them in. we got to jam them in. we got to play Jamal Williams in 30% of our lineups. we got to play Josh Reynolds in 20% of our lineups. <laughs> Shark in 10% of our lives. TJ Hawkinson. We got to get him in 30% of the lineups. He hasn't caught five passes in two years, but we got to get him in. Come on. This is insane. I don't like people aren't factoring in appropriately the chances that a Lions offense that features Goff, Jamal Williams, Chark, Reynolds, and Hawkinson might just be terrible. Like, I'm happy to start Jamal Williams in a seasonal managed league. Absolutely. We did this last year with Jamal Williams. We did this. Swift was out. He got injured on Thanksgiving. Jamal Williams played against Minnesota. He was cheaper than this. He's $6,100 this week. I can't remember him that week. I, I want to say he was in the mid to, to high fives. 
Yep. Everybody thought he's going to be a workhorse. He played 47% of the snaps. He split snaps directly down the middle with Godwin, Igwe, Bikwe, who they liked so much that they don't even have him on the roster anymore, and they didn't even keep him on the practice squad. He was their RB6. They let him uh, run more routes than Jamal Williams, and he had a completely mediocre role. Then they come back a couple weeks later. There was still no Swift, and Williams split the backfield three ways with Craig Reynolds and with Godwin Igwe Bikwe. He ran, this was week 16. It's the only sample we have of both Jamal Williams and Craig Reynolds that were both active in a game. And Jamal Williams, uh, he had 57% of the carries, I believe, offhand. I, I wrote the exact stats in my uh, Hitchhiker's Guide article this week. But I remember this specifically. at had 26% of the routes, okay? So back in Green Bay, when Jamal Williams would play when Aaron Jones was out, he had an awesome role. Full-on bell cow. Ran all the routes, got all the carries. It was awesome. The Lions have not shown that. This year, week one, Jamal Williams in a split with DeAndre Swift. When DeAndre Swift gets snaps get uh, taken back, guess what happens? We see Reynolds work into the mix, right? They didn't just say, oh, well, now we're going to play Williams on 70% of the snaps. They're, they're, we're going to mix in Reynolds. So we're going to find out, I think, probably tomorrow exactly who gets up off the practice squad from the Lions because I don't think they're just going to roll with two active backs and him and Reynolds. But there's two guys on the practice squad, one being Jamar Jefferson, who does not have a pass-catching profile. I think that would be good news for Williams. He's the guy that gets called up. Justin Jackson's on their practice squad. Uh, week 16 fantasy semifinal hero, Justin Jackson. Not surprisingly, if he gets in, if he gets out, I wouldn't surprise me if he runs 40% of the routes and he's playing on every third down. Because yeah. they haven't used Jamal Williams in that way. Maybe they use Reynolds. I, I don't know. But I, I just think Jamal Williams at 6,100 is an extraordinarily fragile play. And, and he's, he's one of the worst chalk bets that, that I've seen in a while. And the Lions could just downright not be very good. And Seattle, I like the Seattle side more, just mostly because the only guy who seems to be attracting a bunch of ownership is Lockett. Um, but I'll play Penny. Like, I, I don't mind Penny. I mean, I don't like Penny as, like, a player. I don't like him as an archetype, but he's 4,900. So he's really cheap. And he's been running most of the routes, not on, on pass downs, but he's running most of the early down routes. He's been playing over 60% of the snaps. I think he's an okay play at 4,900. I, I think that Jamal is one of the worst plays in the slate. I think Hawk, I understand. Like, yeah. I get that he is a really good value at $4,100 without Amon Ra, but – I, I don't know, like, what's his ceiling? Like, he's had, what, two ceiling games in his career? Like, I, I don't know. I think he's a good bet to have seven, to have, like, six for 70 and be a, a hit a price. But I think I'd rather just get away from that, personally. Like, I don't really want to play a 25% on the tight end who hasn't done anything. So I think Hawk is, like, understandable chalk that I want to fade. I just think Jamal is, like, one of the worst DFS plays that I've ever seen uh, if yeah. he actually comes in anywhere close to 30% owned at 6,100. Yeah, it's not good. I don't think I'm going to be playing him anywhere this week. Even if he does end up hitting, I'll, I'll go ahead and say, oops, sorry, I didn't play him. You know, not a big deal. I'm going to go, uh, go ahead and move on. Oh, he can hit. He can hit. I, I just think he's a really bad bet to make at that cost and ownership. I'm not saying he can't hit. I'm going to play him in a million managed leagues. Like, I'm starting him in managed. Yeah. I just think in DFS, it's a bad bet, not like that he can't hit. All right. So, verdict is play Kenneth Walker. Um, let's go ahead and move on to your pick. Yeah. All of this, I'd rather all of this. I would rather play a thirty percent snaps, zero percent owned Kenneth Walker than play a thirty percent owned Jamal Williams at sixty two hundred. You would rather play Kenneth? Oh, yeah, that makes me really happy. Yeah, not be, well. And there's about a hundred other backs I'd rather. Play, <laughs> you know, I have to pick between the two. All right. You're um, yeah, and Josh Reynolds. I mean, no. Come on, people. <laughs> Guys, stop. Stop this. Okay, my last game uh, is two teams that look. Imagine a month ago, imagine in the preseason. This is probably the last week that I'm able to say things like this, but imagine a month ago if they had said, okay, the Broncos and the Raiders are going to be playing. They're going to be playing in a late game. You have late swaptionality, and we're going to have everybody healthy on the Broncos side, and we're going to have Renfro out on the Raiders side. So it's extra consolidated between the two guys you want to play anyways. And Waller's pretty affordably priced, and Jacob's affordably priced. Russ is only $6,700. Car is only $5,800. Duty is $5,500. Sutton, $64. What are we going to do, guys? Everybody would be thinking this is one of the highest owned games on the slate, right? Early yep. in the year where he's playing Raiders and uh, and Cardinals that one week. Um, Broncos haven't really been on the main slate, but I guarantee you um, they were in the first couple of weeks. People wouldn't really have to play them. And I get it. The Broncos have looked awful. They've also had the most yards in the NFL per touchdown, as in like they've score touchdowns at a rate that you really would expect them to score a lot more based on the yards that they're generating. Like, it's not like they actually can't move the ball. They, they just are stalling a lot. And the Raiders, 
I mean, they had a functional fantasy week in week one. They had functional fantasy production in week two. They did it again last week. It's just been kind of going to random guys. And they've lost a lot of close games, right? I don't think they're actually as bad as their own three record would, would, would show that they might be. They're losing a ton of close games. So I think that this game does still have the shootout potential that we thought it would, at least that it's very ceiling. And it's really fun because you kept pretty consolidated offenses in a game that not a ton of people are going to play. Broncos, it's easy. You're only playing three players. They have not used their tight ends at all. It's a rotation. They don't throw out of them. Uh, so you're only playing Javante, potentially, and then yep. you're playing Sutton, and you're playing Judy. I mean, I think Judy at $5,500 is a strong play. Based on week one, he had the 20-point game on a 17% target share, co-leading the wide receivers in targets alongside with Cortland Sutton. He came out the next week, and you know he was consensus one of the highest-value wide receivers on the slate at 5600 against Houston. And then he gets hurt in that game. He only plays 59% of the snaps last week. So all that has changed since he was an absolute must-jam cash play consideration at $5,600 is he got hurt. Now he's supposedly healthy again. He's practicing in full. He's he's $100 cheaper. Nobody wants to play him. Nobody wants to play him. Sutton, I think, is a fine play too. So I'm I'm taking a massive stand on Judy. I'm open to stacking this game. And in the Raiders, again, two weeks ago, Devontae Adams was, you can't fade Devontae Adams. You're a crazy person if you're fading Devontae Adams. How can you fade Devontae Adams against the uh, against the Arizona Cardinals? Well, you know, you obviously failed that week. He had 10 targets last week. It's not like it was a disappointing game overall because Matt Collins went crazy. He still had 10 targets. He's still Devontae Adams. We still have a long, long uh, profile of him being a phenomenal football player. And he's going to be under 10% most likely this week. So I'll absolutely play Devontae Adams. And my other like co-stand of the week, Jerry Judy is my one big stand of the week on the Broncos side. And then my biggest stand of the week on the Denver side is Darren Waller. Darren Waller had honestly a pretty strong start to the year. The first couple of weeks didn't do much of anything last week. Here's two things to take a note in Darren Waller. We already know Hunter Renfro is out, right? That's already consolidating this target tree between Waller and Adams. If you think that Mac Hollins is just going to be this target dominator every single week, I mean, play Mac Hollins, I suppose, but I, I'm pretty comfortable betting against that continuing. Waller, $5,600, one of the few tight ends on the slate that we know has, at least in theory, a massive ceiling. And then here's the injury that people I don't think are paying much attention to. Foster Moreau is out this week. Yes. Now, that doesn't matter a ton, but one of the things, Waller was losing a few routes every week these last couple of weeks because Foster Moreau was playing in these two tight end sets and Waller was getting subbed out. Now, his route percentage was okay, but that was still hurting some of his red zone usage, and he was still taking away some snaps from on early downs. No more Moreau means Waller's going to be back, potentially, to that 90% plus snaps, 90% plus routes role that he had in week one and that he's had for most of his career with Las Vegas. And so his situation's really improved. We know he has the talent. And also at tight end, I want to find ways where if Hawkinson is like a mid-hit, right, if he gets to the 6 for 60 line, I want to find guys that can blow him out of the water. We know Waller has the talent profile to be able to get into the bonus. And so I'm going to be fine playing car doubles with Adams and Waller. I'm fine playing Russ doubles with Sutton and Judy, bring backs on either side. And then I think even in the lineups that I'm not stacking this game, I would be really wanting to play uh, some Judy, Waller, single stacks. Uh, because I think those are two guys that have a massive ceiling in a back-and-forth game, and they might be combined 10% owned. So I'm in on that. Those guys for sure. Uh, I'm in on both of these passing games. Really, really in on this game. Uh, you know what? My favorite play in this entire game, and this is a game I told you I almost picked, right? Because I was like really gung-ho about this game. Uh, I love Javonta Williams in this matchup. I mean, Melvin Gordon, it, it feels like is most likely going to play. I don't really give a shit, right? I'm still rolling out Javonta Williams. He's number two on the Broncos in targets right now, right? He has 20 targets. Uh, Meanwhile, we're looking at 15 receptions, 77 yards. But when we look at the Raiders, right? The Raiders have allowed eight targets to the running back up against the Chargers. Okay, that's Austin Eckler. We get that. But then 11 targets to the Cardinals running backs. uh, And then seven targets to the Titans running backs with six of them going to Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry had like one catch or two catches prior to last week. And then he goes out there and sees six targets because guess what? The Raiders just allow running backs to, to seep into the out or seep into the, to the, uh, into the flats and just earn target after target after target. And we talk about Javonta Williams being able to capitalize on a massive target as week. I mean, we're talking about, Seven targets, eight targets to Devonta Williams this week. Seven catches, six catches, 60 yards, 70 yards. I mean, we're talking about just in the receiving game alone, he's going to be getting 12 to 13 points minimum. 
right? And then we, we talk about the touchdown upside, which he hasn't had. But yet he's been way more of an efficient runner than Melvin Gordon. I mean, we're talking about, uh, what, 37 attempts, 176 yards, for, so 4.8 yards per carry. Meanwhile, Melvin Gordon has, said, has seen 34 rushing attempts for 131 yards, so 45 yards less for 3.9 yards per attempt. He's got that touchdown last week, but he's had three fumbles on the season in three games. <laughs> like, at what point are they going to say Javonta Williams is more efficient, he does a better job protecting the ball, and he can run, he can catch, he can do so much more than Melvin Gordon can. Melvin Gordon looks like he's washed at this point, and I think that we're, if he makes one more minor mistake, it could be Javonta Williams wheels up for the rest of the season, and we're never going to see this price from Javonta Williams again. I am rolling out Javonta Williams, and I'm going to roll out a little bit of Josh Jacobs, too. All right. I like it. So, quick recap. What, who are your top guys in these games from the two? Kenneth Walker. Out, and any to remind too. Kenneth Walker, uh, for sure. <laughs> no, I mean, here, hold on. Let me go back and uh, and pull up my top guys real quick. So, Tyler Lockett. I'll go, I can my, go as you go if you want. Uh, Tyler Lockett. All right. Uh, he's one of my Lockett. top guys. Yeah, Lockett. Lock him in. Uh, meanwhile, Brees Hall is another guy that I think offers a ton of upside yep. with with very low ownership in the Chase Claypool. Sweet. And is there anyone from the games that we didn't talk about that you want to quickly just name drop of guys that you want to fit into some lineups? I mean, we brought up Javonta Williams, which I think was a big one. I think that that Marquise Brown should deserve some, uh, some attention this week yep. up against the Carolina Panthers. I don't love the game, but I love the... Uh, the ability for him to get open behind the Carolina defense uh, and then, you know, just see some blown coverages up against defense that has not been communicating well. Meanwhile, Arizona has been abysmal up against the running back. I know Christian McCaffrey's hurt. I'm a little bit worried about the snap percentage he's going to play this week, but I still want to roll him out in a few lineups. Uh, and then AJ Brown, I believe is uh, way undervalued at 7,400. He needs to be among those 8k uh, wide receivers uh, along with Michael Pittman too. So those two guys I think are guys that I'm going to be targeting. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't mention almost anything in that game, but I, I really do like that Philadelphia Jacksonville game. I'll definitely be playing. I mean, I play AJ Brown like every week, but certainly this yeah. game will be no exception to that. Um, top guys, Judy and Waller, big stand, although I like almost everyone in this game, but Judy and Waller in particular, just based on the ownership and, and where I want to try and get my leverage in this slate are going to be two guys that are going to be massive, massive plays, but I, I like Javante as well. He'll definitely be in my lineups when I'm not stacking uh, the pass catchers in that one for sure. Um, my other He is a pass I, catcher. He is a pass catcher. He's second on the team in targets. Yeah, but I'm not going to play him and Judy and something. Like I, <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm no. To I'm just kidding. But no, <laughs> hey. he gets passes. Oh, yeah, you can play Javante. I, you know, I think you can play Russ and Javante and one of Judy and stuff. I think that's not uh, – I think that that's doable. They've also a lot of touchdown. Raiders have a lot of touchdown per week to the running back position, two on the ground, one in the air. So there's likely going to be a touchdown from the running back. It's just which one. I'm going to bet Javante Williams this week. And then the other one is the Chargers and the Texans. I have like less specific plays there that I'm in love with in the sense that I am with Judy and with Waller, but I just like the idea of doing the Herbert double stack, even a triple stack in uh, really small field stuff. So I think that the Raiders Broncos is probably my favorite game for larger field. The Chargers Texans game, probably my favorite game for smaller field. And then the other thing I'll just quickly note is that the, look, I couldn't believe this when I saw it. But the Atlanta Cleveland game, which I almost picked, oh god, over under only a one point spread. I'm I'm stunned by that, but I kind of like when Vegas does these things. So Nick Chubb is priced way up at 7900, but he's not actually going to be all that owned. He's been the RB one overall in the year, and then the guy that probably is going to catch the most ownership here is Joku. But the other guys in this game, Cooper has been really dominating targets. And I love Cooper hits and London uh, and Patterson. Uh, from the Atlanta Falcons side. So I think that this game might be a little bit undervalued just versus the Vegas total um, and I'll have some access to that one. Pitts let's, too. Uh, let's build a lineup. Let's build a lineup here, shall we? Let's do it. Let's right. do it. Oh, man, we forgot to ask in the chat which uh, which quarterback they wanted to see in the lineup. So if, if you guys are listening right now and you guys want to see a quarterback stack build, uh, let's get those answers real quick. If not, we're going to pick one within the next like 10 seconds or so. So... Uh, which one are you kind of leaning towards the most? Because I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't mind running with Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and then running skinny stacks uh, to go with them, rolling them out naked. I really could I'm roll out these that. guys naked. There is. I'm fine with, well, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't roll Allen naked. Um, 
I think you count Lamar though, for sure. But we did this. So we talked about this last week, right? We said, hey, all that needs to happen is I said they need to go to Isaiah McKenzie. And you said Devin Singletary. And they ended up going to both those guys, leaving out Diggs, leaving out Davis. And Josh Allen was playable as a naked rollout, essentially. Because although Devin Singletary would have been a better stack, I mean. Well, he was playable, but he wasn't the best quarterback on the slate. No, he wasn't. He was not the best right, quarterback. Like I'm saying in the, but world it, that, in the world that Josh Allen scores a 40 bomb, which look, you mentioned at the top of the show sheet, right? Yeah. You're saying, we, you know, we need this massive, massive ceiling out of the top guys. If you're playing Allen, like you yeah. probably need 40, right? If he's scoring 40, he's bringing somebody with him. Like unless he's running for three touchdowns, but like he's bringing somebody with him. Like he's bringing either, you know, one of the cheap guys or he's bringing Gay- Davis or he's bringing Diggs, somebody. Um, I mean, I always, look, we'll, Jamie wants to see Hertz or he wants to see Lamar. Um, let's I'm, do Lamar. I'm fine doing the, let's, all right, we want to do Lamar? Let's do Lamar. And I'm, I mean, I'm fine if we play Andrews in this lineup, but I'm also fine if we don't play Andrews in this let's, lineup. To be let's honest. roll about naked. Let's, let's play way. with it. Let's play with it. And if he fits right, in, then we can see. fit him in. Okay. But I mean, we'd uh, have to play, be a pretty I big I definitely fit. want to play a Bill in this lineup, though, for sure. Um, so, I, I mean, I think we, I don't think, I think Diggs, like, he's, Highest price on the slate, but I'm I'm perfectly fine playing Diggs, and I do think the idea of playing Diggs with Lamar is is pretty interesting, and you can kind of get some of the salary to do that if you don't play Andrews. So I think it's interesting if you play it for Lamar. I mean, Lamar can have 100 yards rushing and a touchdown, so I have no problem playing him naked and based on the rushing, and I have no problem playing that with Diggs. I mean, I'm just this game is going to have a lot of points, and if if Lamar is going to be the QB one overall, it's going to have a lot of points. So we have to play a Bill. If you want to play somebody else over Diggs, if you want to play Singletary, or if you want to play Davis, it's fine. But I'm not letting you not play Bill. Okay, I, I'm cool with playing Diggs. Let's go ahead and roll out Diggs because a lot of my picks are going to be cheaper options anyways. Like I really like these yeah. values this week. Uh, I'm huge on these values. So I kind of want to go with like skinny stacks all the way across and just pick two guys from like a multiple, multitude right. of these games and see if we can make something work. I mean, maybe we don't. Maybe we're going to need deeper stacks. But honestly, I think that we can make it work with this lineup of just going, you know, one-offs essentially of, of mini stacks. It could be fun. All right. Well, why don't you pick one here? Pick one guy here or or pick a, a little skinny if you want to. Uh, Let's go. Let's go with Kenneth Walk. No, I'm just kidding. No. I'm not going to do that to you. <laughs> let's let's go with Brees Hall and Chase Claypool. Okay, I'm good with that. Because sure. that, I mean that will give us uh, a ton of space to work. Well, maybe not a ton of space, but a decent amount of space to work with. Space. With Brees Hall being at what 54, I believe Claypool being around like 47, 48. 47, yeah, there it is. Yeah. yeah so I mean, yeah. we saved a lot of salary right there. We now we're sitting older defense in here just for. Uh posterity um yeah, i'm gonna play up- the seahawks defense like all my lineups because i'm so against this detroit ownership i'm we don't have to actually play them i'm just putting a placeholder in there for now um we can certainly go off all right you did that skinny i'm gonna do um my skinny in here as well i'm gonna play judy for sure and then i think that jacobs is fine i'm trying to figure out if i have if we actually have the money to play waller and you do this to me all the time where you force me to play without a salary so i'm doing it to you so i'm playing shooting and waller in this lineup um and i mean the reality is if we're playing lamar andrew's probably gonna have at least a decent game i watched him with, with the i mean i'm fine with the construction flip too or someone with the capacity i would score him I'm, I'm fine with the judy and with waller here um this leaves us two spots so you pick uh one spot here and i'll pick the other spot you have the running back or the flex you have 9700 all right, how we got ninety seven hundred left between the two. So, is there a flyer that you like? Because I know that you already have Judy, but I mean, we could see a world where this game does get a lot higher scoring than what people are projected. And I think Javonta Williams and Jerry Judy, without Russell Wilson or without Derek Carr, is uh, going to hit at a decent or is going to be very low owned and has a chance of hitting if they have. Is let's just say to play with thirty two hundred. I don't know. If yeah, that, that's hundreds in the cards. Okay, that's what I was wondering. If you had like a flyer, like uh, David Sills, for example, who <laughs> I mean, it's not the worst play in the universe. It's, it's really not. It's, I mean, it's David Sills close is sitting, to the worst play in the universe. I think he's at three K, which is the crazy part because he's running all the routes now. Like he is the leading receiver he's on the team outside of Richie James, that and everybody's true. pivoting to R- Richie James. Right? They're not playing David Sills. Which I mean is probably smart, but still, like, it could be a play. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a reason why people aren't playing David Sills. Oh, God. All right. Um, let me go ahead. 
Oh man, I was I was gonna go with Shark, but you're we, we got the Seattle defense, and I don't hate that aspect. How much is Damian Pierce sitting at? What what's his price? Because I, I did like that take. He's playable. Uh, he's I think he's fifty four. I want to say off the top of my head, he is. Uh, oh, he's fifty six. Fifty six. So if we played him, we'd have forty one hundred remaining, which would be okay. You know what? Um, let's let me just monkey around here because I want to say what's Everett. So Everett's four K, and then if I didn't play Waller. We could play. I'm fine with Everett. And then who's 5,700? I mean, I'm going to play a lot of Waller this week. I don't need him in this one necessarily. Um, Good chalk with Glue Herbert. <laughs> I don't hate it. I mean, we don't have, I hate these three running back lineups so much. But um, uh, we also have J.K. Dobbins who could play with Lamar Jackson. <laughs> that sounds like the worst thing I've ever heard. It, dude, it, I've done it before and it works. Yeah, that was a few surgeries ago. Um, <laughs> He'll have all right. Fun. You know what? You know I'm gonna. Okay. You know what I'm gonna make us do here? Oh God. How low are you going? Because if you go really low, I are you, you better not play DJ Moore. We're playing DJ Moore. Why are you playing DJ Moore? We got an elite talent at fifty-three hundred dollars against the worst secondary in the league. This is the last stand. Okay. This is the last stand. It's the last mm. stand. I promise you on my life. Somebody in the chat, please, please talk him out of this. Life. That if DJ Moore does not get 20 DraftKings points this week, I'll never bring him up in the rest of this show. <laughs> I actually don't hate the take. And I, I did I was gonna talk about DJ Moore instead of Christian McCaffrey uh for that skinny stack that I've mentioned with Marquise Brown. Because I can see like Marquise Brown and DJ Moore both going off in the score being like 13 to, to 20. And that, that's like 33 points total well, actually, in the game. Let's see, where's where's Marquise in here? Um he's up at the top. Oh, he's all the way up at 6900 Yeah, oh, he's too expensive. Okay. All right. All good. Okay, so I just swapped into the Lions D rather than Seattle's to fill the salary up here. But we got Lamar Jackson. We got Brees Hall. We have Damian Pierce. We have Stefan Diggs, Chase Claypool, Jerry Judy, Gerald Everett, and DJ Moore in this lineup. And DJ Moore, of course, is really going to be the one to bring it home for us. Um, I'm going to go ahead. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, what's wrong? We got the Bears over the Giants. Um and Falcons over Cleveland. Falcons have actually been really good at, at uh, forcing turnovers and getting fantasy points. I think that's uh, a better play at 28 or going with the Bears over Chicago because we know it's not going to be a very high-scoring game. Bears, so even if they I get, don't want to play a highly-owned defense, but I'm fine with the Falcons. Yeah, I, I just or, like the turnover Arizona. aspect. We can play Arizona against Baker. I'm fine with the Falcons. Yeah, let's do Arizona. I, I, let's do Arizona. Okay, I'm good with any of those. I, I don't really want to play... Um, like I just don't really ever want to play a highly owned defense. And I think the bear is probably the highest owned, uh, defense, but I'm, I'm definitely good with Arizona. If you prefer them to line. If, if, if Chris McCaffrey plays, then we can, we can pivot off this defense and go towards one of the other ones. But, uh, Oh, I think that's fine either way. Baker is a, is a generous guy. All right. All right. I'll take it. (laughs) All right. Real quick, real quick. This show, by the way, is brought to us by underdog fantasy yeah that's right underdog fantasy i listen underdog i i've been sending jacob all these screenshots of my underdog lineups right like how many have i sent you and that i've been winning money off of Uh, it's been kind of ridiculous and i've i guess i've kind of uh found a way to maneuver myself around uh, certain prop bets so it's been great to be able to, to participate on this with underdog but if you guys go check out my Twitter account over there at FF underscore intervention, I'll give you guys a few free ones each week. Uh, the way that you actually take advantage of this, though, is you got to go to Underdog, right? Underdog, the app over there. Go check it out. Use code UNDERWORLD, and you get a deposit match bonus up to $100. Uh, we have the Best Ball Resurrection that's going on right now. That's week 16 through 17. So if you're a Best Ball fan, go sign up for that uh, $10 entry, 100 k to first place. The big dog that's coming back, the big dog, woof woof, a $250 entry, week six through 17. Uh, that's only 1% field right now, by the way. Uh, 10K to first with a six entry max. Uh, and then, like I said, the pickums are going on, and I've been using insurance like crazy to make sure that I, I make money. And honestly, if Tua didn't end up getting hurt, I would have cleared uh, 200 and 
was it 240, I believe, uh, this past week. I ended up only clearing 60. So a little bit bummed out with the with the Tua injury. And by the way, that was only on $40 with Ventry fees. So, I mean, like the insurance is great. Underdog's great over there. I love what they're doing at Underdog. They're expanding everything to like everything that you want. Underdog is rolling out and it's, a, it's great, man. I absolutely love it. Use code UNDERWORLD when you sign up and they will match your deposit bonus up to $100. So go check out Underdog. Jacob? Go check it out. What's up? I just said go check it out. All right. Let's let everybody know where to find you, Jacob. Yeah, man. You can find me on Twitter, FF underscore RTDB. You can find my written work. Where is my written work? Of course, it's on playerprofiler.com where you can find the show. You can find the Hitchhiker's Guide to Running Back every single week. Check out my week four column. We talked all about Herbert. We talked all about Jamal Williams. We talked about Cordell Patterson. We talked about tons of the running backs you're considering playing in seasonal, in DFS, in any of these types of formats. You can find my podcast throughout the week and such on my Twitter, but we got to get out of here. So that's all for me. Have a blessed weekend. And like I said, go check out my Twitter over there at FF underscore intervention. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next week. Go make some money.